Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. Um, so we've been talking about the shepherd and his sheep. And Jason spent the last couple of weekends talking about how we have a good shepherd, and his name is Jesus. And we find that all throughout the Bible, God relates to his people as a shepherd and us as his sheep. And it's a beautiful image because shepherds love their sheep. They really do. And so my message is titled, The Way of the Sheep. And we have a way, and it is Jesus. He is our way. And so we are, we are moving in his way. We are walking in his way, and he is our way. So the way of the sheep is Jesus, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. But I'm going to read Psalm 23 to us again, uh, because I just believe it's a really important passage for us to meditate on and remember as we talk about being sheep. So Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. It's a beautiful passage and I love the way it begins. And we're, we're looking at this from the perspective of the sheep this week. So last, the last couple of weeks, we've looked at it more from the perspective of the shepherd and who the shepherd is. And this week, we're going to talk more from our angle. Who are we as sheep? And verse 1 in Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. The very first thing we have to do is acknowledge that Jesus is our shepherd and that we are his sheep. So we don't just... Uh, we don't just have a shepherd. We have to acknowledge that he's the shepherd. We have to declare he is my shepherd. Because if we're fighting with that and trying to make ourselves the shepherd or someone else the shepherd, we're going to kind of stumble every time. So we have to acknowledge he is my shepherd and I'm going to follow him. And not, not myself, not, not all of you know, some other person, but Jesus. Jesus is my shepherd. And that letter A, it says, we are willing to be led by the shepherd. To be led by the shepherd, we actually have to first be willing. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that come in the way. He cares for us regardless. He cares for us and he, he rescues us when, when we fall in a pit, just like we saw last week when the sheep fell in the little ditch. Uh, he rescues us, he pulls us out, he chases us down, he comes after us. But to be led, you have to be willing. He's not going to force you. He's not going to drag you. He's going to call you. And we have the option to either respond or not respond. And so we have to be a people who are willing to be led. And so sometimes things get in the way of that. We want, 
we want our rights or we want to, um, you know, be our own boss. Uh, my kids have this little uh, CD with a frog that sings these songs about Jesus. And the teacher, there's a Sunday school teacher in this little thing. And she says, sometimes you just want to be your own boss. Anybody else want to be their own boss sometimes? Nobody else struggles with that, just me? Um, no. So we have to acknowledge that we don't want to be our own boss. And sometimes that's a daily thing. Sometimes it's daily saying, Jesus, I'm wrestling. I want to be my own boss in this because I want it my way. But I'm willing to lay it down. I'm willing to set it at your feet. And I'm willing to be led by you in this. I'm willing to do it your way and not my own. I'm not my own boss. You, you are my shepherd and I'm following your call. I'm listening and I'm following you. And so that first thing, let's be willing to be led by the shepherd. In First uh, John 2, it says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world only offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. The world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And what's beautiful about this passage is that his way doesn't necessarily make us look pretty here on earth. It doesn't necessarily promise that everything is gonna be golden and rosy here. What it does promise is that he's gonna be with us and that his way is better and that his way is fruitful and that his way is full of love and mercy and truth and goodness. And so we can follow him and we can love the humble way he leads us. He leads us humbly. He doesn't lead us, you know, in these great, magnificent, like it looks sparkling to the world moments. It's actually in the nitty gritty moments, the day-to-day life when we're, we're in the secret place, you know, and somebody says something mean to us and then the Holy Spirit speaks to us the truth or it's in the moment when your kid is disobeying you, <laughs> anyone else? Um, and you get to respond in a beautiful way because the father is speaking to you and he equips you and you ask him, God, right now, I wanna, I wanna just, wow, I don't know. You're gonna have to help me today. And we begin to pray and ask him and he leads us in the right way right there. He meets us every time and we can be led by him. And you know what? When we fall down and we don't, we don't ask him that moment, he has another opportunity for us because every day there's more opportunities for his goodness and mercy to be worked out in our lives. This whole life is a sanctification process. It's a, it's a journey of going from glory to glory to glory. And we can walk with our good shepherd and believe that he has good things for us in the middle of everything else. So uh, one thing that I love in Psalm 23 is it says, he lets me lie down in green pastures. And you know what's interesting is he lets me. We can choose. Do you want to lay down in the green pasture that he has provided for you? Do you want to lay down? Do you want to rest in him? And it's, and I'm not saying that in a condemnation way. It's a, it's a, do you want to lay down? Because he's offered to you 
to lay down right in the middle of it. And Psalm 23 is very interesting. Anybody else notice that at the beginning, it's like, we lay down in green pastures and we get to walk beside quiet waters. He renews my life. And then David all of a sudden switches gears and he's like, even when I go through the darkest valley, I was like, wait a second, I thought we were by green pastures and streams and where are we? (laughs) But you know what? The truth is this whole world is the dark valley. He makes... He makes a place for us to lie down right here. And we can lie down because he invites us to. We don't have to continue the fight. We don't have to continue to try to work our way or do the right things or be the right way. We can lie down and rest with him and let him lead us. Okay? So anybody, everybody doing okay with that? Okay. I love this passage because David is just, he he writes of... Um, the quiet waters and the renewing of our life. And it's in the middle of the darkness. It's not, it's not separate from, it's not that God gives us life later when we're in heaven. He gives us life right now in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the fight. He gives us life right here. And so uh, we, get to, we get to lie down and there's that invitation. Come and lie down with me, come and rest I've given you quiet waters in the middle of the fight. The second thing is that we know the voice of our shepherd and we respond to it. And I have a little video that they're going to play of some sheep responding to their shepherd. And I love this video. I think it's going to show us and give us a really good picture of how to respond to the voice of Jesus. So you guys can play that. One more time. shepherd, the true shepherd called. Did you guys see all the sheep? They like, 
And it took him a minute. <laughs> I think that's like us sometimes, you know, it's like, Elizabeth, that's what the Lord says to me. Elizabeth, that's my full name. And, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you look a little stunned at first, but the Lord, when he calls, when Jesus calls, his voice is kind and we know it and our ears perk up and we begin running towards him. And it's time for a people to rise up and begin to listen for the voice of the Lord and begin to run toward him with everything that we have. We're gonna run towards him, run. Where are you going? I wanna follow you because you're good and I trust you and I love you and you are wonderful and you have good things for me and I trust that. And I believe that. And I will follow you. I will follow you wherever you lead me. And so uh, we need to know the voice of our shepherd and then respond to it. John 10 verse two through five says, the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger. They will run from him because they do not know his voice. And I was researching a little bit on sheep and they actually uh, a lot of them will band together, they'll stick together, and they'll run from a voice that is not their own shepherds. They'll, they'll, they'll like kind of go away, especially if it feels like an attack, like there's danger. They are very aware of danger and they will run from the attack um, altogether. They don't like run off by themselves. Typically, they actually stick together. They like to be together and they run together away from a voice that doesn't sound like the shepherd. So, our question for us is, are we familiar with the shepherd's voice? Have we made ourselves aware of what it sounds like? And are we willing to listen and obey? Do we know when it's a stranger? Do we know when it's the father of lies? And how do we know that it's a lie? How would we be able to distinguish? And I think that it's really important for us right here to know that the, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and distract, and sow in lies. And he tells us lies about God. He tells us lies about ourselves. He tells us lies about others. He loves to get us all caught up in all kinds of lies about who he is, about ourselves, or about others. And we have an opportunity in the word to begin to know what the real shepherd sounds like. He doesn't sound like condemnation. He doesn't sound like an oppressive voice that, that pushes you down or puts others down or makes others weak or makes you weak. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound like, hey, God is mad at you or angry at you. Those are not the, the words of the shepherd. The good shepherd is kind and his kindness leads us to repentance. The, 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 his kindness is what's leading us. And so uh, we can know it's the voice of the shepherd if it sounds kind. Does it sound kind? That's a great test. Is the voice kind? Because there are so many voices we can get in our head. Um, and there's actually an example. My daughter, one of our kids, um, she is a very discerning little girl and there have been, she's, she's often struggled with different uh, lies and particularly uh, this last summer, there was a lie that came into her head and I actually at first didn't discern it as a lie. I was kind of like, oh, that doesn't sound like a lie, um, but it bothered her and it, it was that she wasn't going to die until she was a nana and I was like, oh, well, that's good. I mean, that's a 
It's a good thought, I guess. You know, you're not going to die till you're a nana. Um, but it was, it was a repetitive. It was like all the time, all the time. That's all she could think on. And it's like, that is not from God. We don't need to think about death all the time. We don't need to think about when we're going to die. We don't need to be worried about that or concerned with that, especially when she's so little. And so we began to say, let's take that thought captive. Let's begin to, to war on that thought because that thought is not from Jesus. Jesus says that you are his and that you can trust him and that he will be with you all your days. And we don't need to think on that. And so we began to say, Jesus, we give you this thought. That, that my little girl is, a, is, a, is gonna die when she's a nana. We just lay it at your feet and we ask that you would come and take this thought and remove it from her mind and give her the truth, which is that you are with her and that you're guarding her and protecting her and that you will be with her forever and ever, that she is yours and you, she can trust you. And so as adults, I wish sometimes we were so discerning you know, she was the one that told me this thought isn't from Jesus because I didn't know. I was like, I, I don't know. And she was the one that said, mama, this thought's not from Jesus. And so we need to ask Jesus, help us be aware, help us be discerning of our thoughts, whether they are from you or from the enemy and whether they are from our flesh or whether they're from you. And so we need to be discerning of the, the shepherd's voice. What is he saying to us? Um. Jesus was talking to his followers towards the end of his life, right before he went to the cross. And I was laughing because I actually read this exact same passage the last time I spoke, but I really felt like the Lord had put this on my heart before I realized I had spoken it last time. So I'm going to share it. Um, and I think it's something that he's speaking to us as a church. Um, we are we are in the end times. I don't, I, you know, ever since Jesus went back to heaven, we are in the end. So we can just continually know that we're in the end. Uh, we don't have to worry about the timing necessarily. Actually, Jesus tells us not to, but it's like we are in the end. So he's talking to, about, to them about that. They said, they, they were sitting with him and they said, tell us when these things will happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. Do you see how he didn't actually answer their question? They're like, when is it going to happen? And he's like, don't let anyone lead you astray. And that's the word for us. Don't let anyone lead you astray. The enemy, other people, um, your own heart, don't let anyone lead you astray from the true shepherd. Uh, don't be led astray. The, the sheep are not led astray. They know their shepherd's voice and they run to him. And so we know our shepherd's voice and we run to him. Um, Jesus wants us to be aware that other voices are going to speak out. Others are going to say, I am the Christ. They're going to say um, in prideful ways, I have the truth. But what is the truth? It's Jesus. And it always has to come back to Jesus and his way. His way is right and true and the only way. No one else goes to the Father except through Jesus. And so um, we have to be aware of those voices. And the way that we get aware is by reading the word, listening to him, waiting and tending carefully our hearts. We have to tend them carefully. We have to be willing to lay down in the pasture. We have to be willing to sit. And sometimes that takes a little bit of time. And I know I'm short on time too. I sometimes want to rush through the process and get to the other side. But the invitation from our heavenly father is come and wait with me for a little bit and see what I will say to you. 
there's a verse in Lamentations. It says, uh, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the person who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. So we can begin to wait and invest time in his word. And as we read, ask the Holy Spirit to give us rhema words. The word rhema is a now word. Uh, you know, there's, there's the word, like there's the Bible, and then there's the rhema word. The rhema word is the, the word for today. It actually isn't the word for tomorrow. Just like, just like God gave the Israelites manna for today, and they had to go out every day and collect, we also need to go out every day and collect from the Lord read his word, ask for the rhema word, and he will be faithful to speak. If you're willing to ask, he is faithful to speak through his word to you directly. And it's not just to Jason and I. That's, I think that's a big misconception we have in the American church in particular is that the people that stand on the platform are the ones that receive the word and deliver it. But really the challenge is he's invited you into a relationship. So you should be able to get a word from him on the regular your own self, by yourself, with him. What's the word for you today? What's the word he got, he's got for you today? And then you can begin to share it. And that's how we begin to build one another up in the faith. Because we begin to say and proclaim the word, the rhema word, the day, today's word to one another. And it begins to stir us. And we begin to get excited. What's God speaking to me today? What has he got for me today? Because it's a good word. It's not a word of condemnation or a, a word of like, go crawl in a hole. It's a word of, come on, come on, get up, my child. I love you. I want to do good things with you. I want to do good things through you. So come on, let's stand up. Let's go. Let's go for a walk. I want to show you a green meadow in the middle of this valley because it's there and I want you to begin to speak it. I want you to begin to proclaim it. I want you to begin to walk in it and not be distracted by all this stuff going on. He wants to renew our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's put the Holy Spirit in us and we can begin to proclaim that through him. All right. (laughs) So let's listen for the rhema word. I think the important thing to remember and just read it. Because I think that sometimes that's what we think we need to do is like sit down and just, um, you know, check off our box. I read John 10 today. That, that would be a bummer of a way to read the Bible because I would think it would get really boring. Um, because, because you're just sitting there and you're just checking boxes and, and, you know, marking it off. But what we can do is we can begin to have a conversation So it's like um, when we're reading about Jesus walking uh, with his disciples in Matthew 24, it's like, Jesus, why did you, why did you stop right there? Like, why did you, uh, can you help me understand what was happening in this scene? Um, Jesus, uh, in John, you know, in John 10, you said this and this, and I have a question about that. Can you help me understand it? And then wait and listen and see if he gives you another verse in the Bible. Sometimes he might just put like a random verse, like Isaiah 40, verse two, look it up, see what's in there. He might bring some clarity to you. Um, And that's one of the most beautiful things about the Bible is we don't have, it's not, it's not like a static object that just sits there. It's actually living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It can divide in your own heart and soul and begin to distinguish things for you. And so my encouragement for you is to begin to invest in this relationship in a dynamic way. Don't make it checks, 
check boxes because you're just, it's, you'll stop tomorrow. You know, I mean, I would. Um, and it's, it's actually this relationship invitation. Begin to ask questions and begin to converse with him. Oh my goodness, I can't believe you did that. You multiplied the fish. I think sometimes we like negate how powerful that story is because we, if, if you've been around church for a long time, you've heard it since you were like two. But I want you to think about this. Jesus took a basket of loaves and fishes and fed 5,000 people with that basket. I mean, that is incredible. And we should worship him for that. He feeds the needy. He feeds us when we're hungry. He gives to us out of his overflow. Like he's, he's overflowing for us with love and goodness and mercy. And so we can come to the word and expect to get fed. We can come to the word and expect to get something out of it. And we should be excited because it's, it is exciting. His word is full of amazing stories. It's not boring. There are stories of crazy stuff happening. I still can't believe that there's stories about women who drive tent pegs through people's temples, but you know, that's cool. She was brave and bold for the Lord. I am not in that way, thank the Lord. (laughs) So glad we're not still doing that. You know, I mean, can we all just be appreciative we live on this side of the cross? Um, Thank you, Jesus. I I praise him every time just for that. (laughs) the voice of the enemy, you know, he can try to trap us in a place where we can't seem to move because he weaves in an element of truth. Just like he did when he tempted Adam and Eve with the apple, there's always an element of truth. So it's like, you're weak. You can't do that. I mean, just me standing up here preaching, you know, the lie for the last three weeks since I preached last time, that wasn't good. And I, I don't want you to all come up to me afterwards and tell me it was good. Please don't do that. I'm not looking for affirmation of man. I really am not. It's just, I'm just using it as an example because it's personal in my own life. It's like, you, didn't, you don't have what it takes. You can't do that. So to you, you can't talk to that person at work because they've seen you yell at someone before. Well, the truth is you did yell at someone before. You did. That's the truth. There's an element of truth woven in. There's an element of truth that, you know, I'm probably underqualified to do this. But God, but God, but God in you, Jesus in you, the Holy Spirit in you, his enough, it is enough. And so when the enemy starts coming at you, there, there might be an element of truth and you can acknowledge that. You're right. I did. I did do that. But Jesus saved me. He set me free. He is walking with me. He has been with me all this time. And he is leading me and his mercy is good. And he has forgiven me for everything I've ever done wrong. He, he has made a way for me in the desert. And he actually has invited me into the very throne room of his father. And he says, I can come there boldly. I can come there boldly. And so that's what I do. I am walking into the throne room boldly, ready to receive grace and mercy because that's what he has for me today. So Satan, get out of the way because I'm coming through. My Jesus is calling me. He is calling me and he is good. And that verse for you, if you want to 
look it up just so you can remember is Hebrews 14 or 4, 16, sorry. says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. When we need it most, it's there for us. We can look to him and he will give us all that we need. Um, I'm going to skip this next section lane, just so you know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, We are going to move on to point number three. We do not live in fear. In Psalm 23, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So as sheep of a good shepherd, We don't need to live in fear. We don't need to come into agreement with fear. We need to break off our agreement with fear because fear is what holds us back. Fear of judgment from God, fear of man, fear of the enemy, fear of the evil one himself, fear of our enemies. All of those things can trap us. And I'm gonna, I know, uh, Lane, I have all of that in points. I'll get to them. Um, So point number one under fear is we do not need to live in fear of evil. Isaiah 41.10 says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. He is holding on to you. We do not need to walk in fear. We don't need to be afraid of evil because he has already overcome all the evil in the world. So as evil gets eviler, I don't know if that's a word, but as it grows and gets more dominant, we don't need to live in fear because our Jesus has already taken care of all of it. And we know the end of the story. We know that at the end, Jesus comes back and he saves us and he rescues his people and he calls us home and he creates a new heaven and a new earth and all of the evil will be cast into the fiery pit of hell. Like we are triumphant. We are not living in a place where we need to be like, oh no, hiding under rocks. No, the evil one has been, is already under the dominion. Like we, we have already overcome. We are overcomers. And so let's not be afraid of evil. He has prepared um, a literal table before our enemy. So in Psalm 23, it says, you prepare a table for me before my enemy. And you know what is so beautiful? He does that through Jesus. He gave us his body and his blood. He made a very table before our enemy and said, my son, my son is the table. My son, my son, my son, Jesus. He is the one who defeats the enemy. So as we sit down, we can sit down and eat the bread and drink the cup, the very body of our our Jesus and the very blood of the covenant. And we can begin to eat and drink and we get to celebrate before our enemy because Jesus came and died and rose again for us. And so the enemy has been defeated. The enemy has been defeated. We don't need to live in fear of him. We don't need to walk around in cowardice. We don't need to walk around being controlled and manipulated by his lies and his temptation. We can walk in in faith. We can be overcomers of the evil one. 
We don't need to live in fear of our enemies. Hebrews 13, six says, therefore we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? He could kill my body, sure, but he can't take the thing that matters most. He cannot take my heart and my soul. He can't take my spirit. Those are Jesus's. So we don't need to live in fear of our enemies. Let's look at Joshua and the Israelites. I mean, they marched around Jericho. They were not afraid of their enemies. I bet they were calling all sorts of stuff off the walls at them. And they just kept marching. I'm just gonna keep walking. I'm just gonna keep walking. I'm just gonna keep walking. And these walls are gonna fall down. Watch my God, watch him. He is so mighty and so good. God, when the Israelites were being chased by the Egyptians, what did, what did God do? He parts the Red Sea. And I know these are big moments. These are big stories, but they're testimonies to us of how great he is, how he can move mountains for us. He can part the waters in, in the middle of a way. So we don't need to be afraid when people are saying all kinds of mean things about us. We don't need to worry about what they're saying. We can walk in faith because he is good and he is leading us and he will part the way. And I think of Stephen in the New Testament. Um, you know, it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to declare boldly to the people. Uh, and they, they stoned him. I mean, he died. But imagine, you know, <laughs> with me for just a moment. I mean, he... He knew what they were going to do to him. I mean, his face was shining with the glory of the Lord. He knew. He wasn't dumb, but he proclaimed anyway. He wasn't afraid of what man could do. And we do not need to live in fear of what man can do to us either. We can walk in faith, knowing that Jesus is with us. And if every person turned against me, I'd still keep my ears and my eyes on Jesus because he is the author and finisher of my faith. And I want him because he's good. So, C, we don't need to live in fear of our needs being met. And I already talked about this, but Jesus multiplied bread and fish twice in the Bible. And I'm kind of wondering if maybe it happened more than that. I don't know. Um, God provided manna in the wilderness, clothes that didn't wear out. He provided oil and bread for widows. Countless times he provided for people in miraculous ways. I mean, there's not a shortage of stories of how he can provide for our physical needs. And so we do not need to live in fear of our needs being met. That doesn't mean that we're going to get a Ferrari, but it does mean that, I know, bummer, but it does mean that we will always have what we need. And, and here's the deal. I know people in other countries. I know, I know someone in particular that I'm even thinking of right now. He struggles just to have one meal a day, but he still proclaims that his God provides everything that he needs. And, and here's the thing. We have more than enough. Even if we're the poorest of the poor in America, we are heads and shoulders above most other countries. And so we can begin to have an attitude of, I have all that I need in you. You've provided for me in so many ways. And we should begin to thank him and praise him and declare his goodness because of that. Uh, it, it elicits in me that response of, you have given me everything. And when those storms come where the wallet gets a little tighter, uh, we can turn to him and ask for help. 
and he always meets that need. I, I mean, he, he has miraculous ways. There have been months in Jason and I's journey where uh, it has looked pretty grim, and I'm looking at it going, I don't know how this is going to work. And I have never seen a month come and go where it didn't work out. Never. And, and it doesn't work out on paper. I actually, I mean, I track it real good. Like I track it and, and every single dime. And, and it doesn't actually work in the paper, but somehow in the bank account, it's working. And so we can put our faith and hope in him, the one who provides for all of our needs. Um, and the last thing that the sheep do is they stick together. And I got that actually from uh, some study on sheep. They, do, they typically do not wander off by themselves. They stick together. They stay together because when, the, when there's an attack or something scary, um, they're actually more likely to survive <laughs> if they're in the middle of the pack. <laughs> so, <laughs> so today, as we begin small groups, Today is an opportunity for you to get in the middle of the pack. And I don't mean leave your other brothers and sisters out there to get eaten by wolves. (laughs) I'm just using the metaphor, okay? But we just, let's get, let's get together. Let's bind ourselves together in unity and begin to do life together, not alone, not by ourselves, not wandering, but set our eyes on Jesus and then walk together towards him, just like those sheep in the video we watched. I loved that. They're all like, you know, running after the shepherd and they just wanted to be close to him. Oh, he has the food. He has all the good stuff. Like, let's get after him and let's be that kind of people as a church, as one life church. Let's be a people who run after Jesus and then do it together. Let's stay together. Let's stick together. Let's draw in close, even when it's uncomfortable. Um, there was actually some information I read about sheep, and I have no idea if it's true um, because it was on the internet and not in a book. So it's questionable. But um, it said that sometimes sheep don't actually even like one another, but they, they bind together um, to be safe. And I just think it was, I was chuckling because it actually talked about how sheep have kind of personalities and they can like ruffle one another. And um, I was, I was chuckling because they're just so much like us. I was kind of like, God, like really? Did you have to call us sheep? (laughs) Um, But let's bind together, even with our different, different personalities. Let's just do this together and let the Holy Spirit come and do a a good work in our house together. Um, So if you are here and you haven't made Jesus the center of your focus yet, I want to, I want to offer you an opportunity to make him the Lord of your life, the, the one, your shepherd, the one who leads you, the one who you can follow, who you can set your ears to, to go after him. You can make a decision today and it's just the beginning. The, the decision isn't the walk. It's just the beginning. And it's a decision that begins this journey and relationship with Jesus. And you begin to walk with him and begin to call on him and begin to read the Bible. And you can get to know this good shepherd intimately. And he knows you. 
and he knows where you are and he knows everything that your life has been up to this point and everything that it will be after. But he still chooses you, he loves you, and he wants you to come into his family to be a part of who he is. And so if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life yet, you can do that today. And it's just simply the beginning is a prayer. And uh, I'm going to lead this prayer, and I want everyone to pray with me because uh, we're all doing this every day anyway. We need to come to him every day. It's not just a one time and done. It's a every day. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. So we're going to pray together. And if this is your first time, I want you to join us in this prayer and ask Jesus to come and be Lord of your life. And then uh, I'll give you some information afterward. Jesus, we come before you. We love you. We love your ways. We thank you that you humbly lead us that we can follow you, learn your voice, and know what you're saying. I invite you to come into my heart, to cleanse me of every sin that I've ever done and ever will do. I want to walk in union with you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. Amen.